But there's been this idea that when it comes to understanding identity, when it comes to understanding racial discrimination, homophobia, transphobia, sexism, all these things, that it's difficult and it's uncomfortable and it makes us uncomfortable. Like we've chosen to do that very thing in another mm -hmm. sport. Like I think we need to think about things a little bit differently when it comes to some of these difficult issues and not just ignore it because it's hard. Like we've chosen a life where we choose the hard thing. Check it out. Hi everyone, I am Alexa Forster, your host for the special LGBTQ Takeover series for the Sons and Suffers podcast. And today I am so thrilled to present you with this next episode where I got to talk to Nikki Smith face-to-face, -face, in person, at the Flash Foxy Climbing Festival this last March out in Bishop, California. Uh, Nikki, well, in my opinion, Nikki is a climbing icon. She's a photographer. She's a contributor to National Geographic. She's on the advisory board for the SCARPA AMI program. And she's represented by many brands like Brooks Running, Mountain Hardware, and REI, and more. And I was so grateful to have this conversation with Nikki back in March uh, and being able to talk to someone that I have been looking up to for the longest time now as another trans woman who climbs and then also as another trans woman who is a photographer. So it was an ultimate dream of mine to be able to have such a meaningful conversation with Nikki and I'm so grateful to her for that. And just want to remind you, we recorded this on location out uh, in Bishop, California, so uh, there may be a few kind of like noises in the backgrounds or little distractions, but please forgive us for those and enjoy the episode. Hi, I'm Alexa Forster, and my pronouns are she, her, and welcome to another episode of Send and Suffers, the LGBTQ takeover series that I've been working on. Uh, and today I am super excited to be sitting here in person with Nikki Smith out here at the um, uh, Flash Foxy uh, climbing uh, conference uh, slash, what's this thing called again? I'm so... The festival. The festival, yes. Climbing festival. Thank you. So yeah, uh, Nikki Smith. Yeah, why don't you just uh, say hi and... Hey, everybody. <laughs> and give us your pronouns too, yeah. Yeah, my pronouns are she, her... Uh, I'm based in Salt Lake City, Utah. I've been climbing. This is my 30th year. Started in 1992. And climbing has been a big part of my life um, ever since then. Yeah. That's amazing. So 30 years. Yeah. Like, I'm 32 years old. So you've been climbing for almost as long. I mean, I'm not trying to make you feel old, but that's like such... You, you did. I'm sorry. <laughs> not my intent. I just think that's such an amazing thing because like... Climbing has definitely changed, like, or I can't say that, like, climbing has definitely, like, climbing changed a lot in 30 years, I imagine. Definitely. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, tell me about, like, you know, what got you started, you know, 30 years ago into climbing? 
Yeah, I when I was 16, some friends that I had done a desert trip with as like a counselor for a youth group uh, took me climbing, and I wasn't super excited because I'd repelled before and hated it. I was super afraid of heights, but there was something that just clicked going up. Yeah. And just everything went still. I could just focus in a way that I didn't really have anywhere else in my life. And everything just went quiet and it was peaceful and beautiful. And I just loved it. That's amazing. Yeah. Because I've talked to a couple of people now uh, and kind of asked them similar questions. So it's really funny to hear that kind of answer, that first experience, you know, people had climbing. And it's not like at your point, it was not like you were outside. So that's amazing. I'm super envious that you had a first chance uh, to climb outside the very first time. But for me, it was a little different where I was in a gym the first time. Uh, and yeah, it was a very similar thing. The moment I did it, it was just like, just clicked for me. And I felt like this, like very nice moment to kind of like everything else kind of faded out and it was just me and the wall, you know, I was able to just focus and just be in the moment. Uh, and that's like, I guess that leads me to like another part that I like to ask people is like, you know, what, you know, keeps you coming back, you know, after, you know. All the time you've been climbing now, like what keeps you, you know, coming back to the sport and like what is it about climbing that uh is different from anything else you've done? One part first. So what keeps you coming back? I have to ask myself that a lot. Um climbing I think in many ways is really complex for me. Uh for a long time it was a pl- one of the only places I felt like I was home, but the more I was in it, the more I realized I didn't really belong. Um, Listening to climbing partners, other people in the industry say some pretty horrific things because they didn't know that I was trans or queer. Um, You know, the root names, the, the culture, um, you know, there's so many negative things in there that it made it hard to feel like I belonged, but I also, that was the only way I had to cope with everything. Mm-hmm. And so I threw myself into it and had you know, stayed as busy as possible and used it to avoid dealing with who I was. So it, it got to be where in some ways it was positive, but it was also really negative too. Yeah. And once I came out, I had to reevaluate and see whether it was really for me still. Mm-hmm. And now, like I've gotten gotten to see that I really still do love it. Uh, the way I go about climbing or who I climb with is definitely changed mm-hmm. somewhat. I'm definitely a little more selective of who I climb with and when. But if I miss a day of climbing it's no longer like a big deal the way it was it's just like i go when i want to have fun yeah and so it's a way for me to escape but it's a way for me to connect with myself and others and i get to be in these places that are amazingly beautiful and just feel a part of of something much much bigger than me being in these these outdoor spaces that mm-hmm. 
that it's often just you and another partner out there, at least the type of climbing I like to do. And I love that. Yeah. That's amazing. So many like relatable things that I just like heard you say and like talking about climbing. Uh, like for me, I didn't like have the, you know, aspect where I climbed pre-transition or anything. Um, and I'm like kind of glad that I didn't, but like at the same time, I kind of wish that I had started at a younger age. So, you know, I would be further along or whatever, you know, that whole, like, you know, my, you know, my own worst critic type of deal. Um, but yeah, I just, uh, just getting to like, yeah, it's that such a like grounding experience of like being outside and getting to climb in such like beautiful, you know, landscapes and getting to do it with incredible people. Um, it's just, yeah, that's like what like outdoor climbing, for my opinion, is like just all about basically is it's like for so much for me, it's the community. Um, and I feel like I'm very lucky where I started climbing in the gym was actually in a more like, you know, progressive, you know, area where the gyms were more supportive, um, where a lot of people don't have that experience, unfortunately. Um, so it's like, it's very humbling to hear others' experiences, basically, and to kind of hear, you know, what other people had to go through. And so that makes me realize, you know, like how good I have it, basically, to remind myself that, you know, how fortunate I am to like have that privilege, basically, that not a lot of people had. So thank you. Um, yeah, when I started, there weren't really that many gyms. And so gym climbing wasn't what you did. You started outside, yeah. and it was only later on that we started going indoors in gyms. Mm -hmm. It's changed a lot. Yeah, I yeah, can't imagine that. That's incredible. So yeah, you uh, talked about how climbing for you, you know, like you were doing it to survive basically without like realizing before you came out, like it was like hurting you, but also helping you. Um, and I think that's such a like, goes into such a like kind of complex mode into like the human like condition on like the things that we do to survive to get by basically like you know it took me i went 27 years or so without you know finally coming to that you know understanding about myself just because like the education wasn't there like there was like hardly anything out there for me to understand who i was or like you know any representation there was for the you know trans community it was always you know some type of like uh uh, you know, villain or something in the media, basically, or some type of like, you know, comedic effect and not really ever taken seriously or taken to be uh, something that you could relate to. It was always just like, you know, something to throw aside. Um, we were always the prostitutes that get murdered at the start of a cop drama. Yeah, that and, too. Yeah. It was always just like a throwaway, basically. So like not having any type of like representation, uh, was like really difficult and like I grew up in East Texas where it was very conservative and religious and everything so like I had all this internalized homophobia that I had to work through and internalized transphobia that still to this day like have to con constantly you know come up against but I'm kind of getting sidetracked now but back to climbing um the thing that I could connect with what you were saying a second ago was how climbing you know in a way kind of saved you 
um or if i'm not misremembering what you correctly i'm sorry but like i just remember whenever covid hit initially and like all the gyms closed down like how like challenging that was for me like i don't know if you i mean you were probably outside more at that point where you had the ability to go outside but for me like in a gym was like the only thing that i had because i didn't start climbing outside until last april um so it was a big hit for my mental health to be without climbing for however long that i was without it so it was just yeah devastating because for me it's like this nice uh it's this thing that i do a lot of the times like well, at least going to the gym or i'll go to the gym uh you know to climb of course but if there's days where i'm just like having a really hard day mentally or something i can go to the gym and i can use that time one-on-one to help clear my head and be in the moment on the wall and just be present with myself and that helps me to come back later and to work through things with a clear mind i don't know if you ever had that experience or not yeah for me it's a little bit different i feel like when i climb everything else disappears and so i'm able to not have to worry about all the other things going on in my life not have to think about work or the next trip that i have to get ready for or whatever it might be when i want to really think about things i go trail running and i don't know that it's such a different sport and you i don't know i just feel like i'm there in my head a lot more when i run where mm-hmm. when i climb it's just there is nothing other yeah. than the climb exactly yeah that's what and i was trying so, to get get to yeah it was like it's such a like freeing experience for my mind essentially if i'm going through something i can just get there and like help clear my head basically it's just yeah so it's it's cool to hear that similar you know story from other people like that have you know similar experiences as i do to like hear that you know similarity for like how peaceful climbing you know can be it can so, be it can yeah sometimes it be can... the opposite of peaceful <laughs> it can be really scary depending on the types depending that you on do. what you're doing yeah yeah and like uh like i've seen you like your you know pictures that you take of ice climbing and everything else there and that just scares the hell out of me <laughs> me too sometimes <laughs> I really have to question myself all the time. I don't know why I like it, but for some reason I do. And I keep coming back, but it doesn't make sense a lot of days. Yeah. I try to avoid those days more often when it doesn't make sense, but <laughs> you don't always know until you're out there. Yeah. It definitely that definitely makes sense, yeah. So, uh like I said you've been climbing for that many years. Not going to say it. Um and so now you've been able to uh, see, like, this evolution of climbing. And, like, I'm guessing when you started, like, was sport climbing an actual thing yet? Or was it all still just trad? No, it was, there was sport climbing. Okay. Yeah. Gotcha. Yeah, I started off sport climbing and slowly learned trad. Um, bought a bunch of used Chouinard stoppers that had huge slings on there. And that was my rack for a while and then slowly started adding cams over a couple of years but i just didn't have the money to get the gear for trad climbing and so like it took forever to really get into trad yeah that totally makes sense like climbing itself is a very expensive sport to get into and so like that that alone is just such a high price tag to to get into it and then you add trad on top of that it just gets like ridiculous like i just you know 
We'll just be like at REI just looking at things or I'm like scrolling on uh, Backcountry or something uh, and just seeing how much that trad gear costs. Just like, I'm just like, wow, like, am I ever going to get to climb trad one day? Like, I mean, I know I'm not going to just buy the stuff and then go. Like, obviously, I'll go with people who are more experienced first to like, you know, show me the ropes and everything. But it's a very, uh, yeah, like I'm I'm still nervous enough uh, as it is uh, sport climbing outdoors. Uh, but today, actually, I've been in Lore's, uh, Lore Sabron's, uh, you know, falling uh, on lead uh, clinic, and it's just been the most amazing thing for me to experience, like, at least the first day of it, uh, and to, like, start to, like, learn how to fall and, like, to not let that, you know, your mind kind of take over and just, like, learning how to, like, use the tools that, you know, they're teaching me to kind of, like, process things differently and work through that fear so it's just it's an, it's amazing and i'm just so grateful to be here and to meet you in person and to meet so many other people that i've followed online for for so long now um so yeah i guess we can like since i'm talking about the festival we can kind of like switch gears a little bit and talk about um flash foxy and uh your involvement and like yeah what you're doing here today and this weekend yeah this weekend i well today i taught a bouldering photography clinic had 12 students out there and just kind of going over don't always go over all the technical details like i i think a camera is just a tool i don't really care about that Mm -hmm. good photography first starts with learning how to see Mm -hmm. and how to rethink the way you see things and so we really focused on that and kind of challenging them to try to be more creative, push themselves in that way to see things a little bit differently and, and work on their photography that way. And then just little tips and things that people don't always think about uh, with photography, but can make a huge difference with your climbing climbing work. So got to do that. And then in, I don't know, half an hour to an hour, um, they're screening the film They Them that Laura is the, the featured uh, climber in that film. Mm-hmm. And I was a part of the, the team to help um, produce the film. Uh, I was hired as a consultant to make sure the story was done in a way that was respectful and and really gave the right message about the trans community. Mm-hmm. And so we're going to be talking about that afterwards and yeah yeah that's that's so that's so great uh just like so many things that you said there um and like i said earlier like i really wish i could have been in two places at once to also attend your uh photography clinic because i've been doing uh like photo and video work for like the last like five six years for work as a contractor and then just started getting into climbing photography last year after like being in climbing for like what three years or however many years and now I can't count. Um, but for being in photography, for some reason I was just like, I don't want to mix my work life with like my passion. And I don't know why I had this stupid idea in my head because the moment I did it and I went outside with my camera, I was just like hooked like that and went the next month and taught myself how to do more. Uh, and it's just incredible um, getting to uh, be on the wall with the camera and just like document people and their experiences climbing is just incredible. So, like, I, I see your work online, and it just, like, blows me away to see another, you know, 
trans women in the climbing industry doing photography, having their stuff, you know, uh, shown on like such a broad, huge scale, like with National Geographic, and I've seen your your work there. It's just incredible. Oh, thanks. <laughs> it's. I mean, it's it's really amazing to hear that because I didn't have that, and that's been really important to me to try to try to be the person that I didn't have and really create more representation, create more opportunities for people. And like today was the first time since I came out in 2018 that I've actually been photographed by another trans person. Really? That? Wow. And my story gets told all the time. <laughs> like I'm photographed all the time. Uh, yeah. Today was the first day and that was, it was a really emotional experience like it was i've been waiting for that my whole life yeah no i and definitely super important that's that's incredible i'm so glad that you finally after yeah so 19 20 21 four years now it's been and you still hadn't had that experience until today and i'm so glad that we're talking today at this point and so i'm just i'm so happy for you and excited for you that you finally had that experience because i can just see it in your face like no one can actually hear you know how your face like how you look right now but yeah, i can just see the joy like overflowing right now and i'm just so happy for you um so like as a photographer though i'm just curious um uh what got you in to photography first off and then how everything kind of followed after that i'm just for my own personal reasons i get to ask these things <laughs> yeah i was always into art drawing painting i used to quilt so knit do all these things with my mom and then i think that probably scared them so my dad was an amateur photographer and then i think at five years old i was given a, a point and shoot film camera and started taking photos and wasn't allowed to quilt or sew or knit much anymore after that um, but i Took a bunch of photos. My dad entered one in the Utah State Fair, won a blue ribbon. That was like a really cool thing as a kid. Yeah. So, you know, I, photography was always kind of a part of my life, but it wasn't serious. I liked drawing a lot mm -hmm. better. Um, but in high school, I took a darkroom class, and that was really cool to be able to, to just see this blank piece of paper that you dip in this chemical bath, and this image would slowly appear, and it was just such a cool thing you had so much more control because mm -hmm. at the time you would just send your film in it would get developed you'd get it two or three days later and you'd see your prints yeah the, like the, someone else had the creative control yeah to see how to to process it and everything uh so yeah you could just kind of get but then you had that class and you just had this whole other world it sounds like to like, discover yeah and that was when i first started taking climbing photos was because of that class but again it still wasn't anything I was super serious about. I always had my camera, but it was just me taking photos of friends. It wasn't like being super intentional. And then I was bouldering in Joe's Valley on this problem called the bowling ball problem. And I heard a loud pop and I blew out tendons on both hands, my ring finger on both hands. And I couldn't climb, but I wanted to stay out there with my friends. So I decided I would just focus on photography. Wow. That, when was that if you don't mind me asking uh it was in college i would say that was probably 99 2000 
Gotcha. Okay. Wow. That's that's crazy. But yeah, you still wanted to be like I guess the photography was your only like kind of like outlet still in the community since you couldn't climb. Yeah. And so you're still like connected via photography into into climbing to kind of keep you, you know, in the in the in the sport or in the community basically. So that's Yeah, at that point, I mean I was I started a climbing club at the University of Utah. I was working at a climbing gym. I was guiding. I started tech repping. So like climbing was my world and it was my social network. Like everything was climbing. And so if I couldn't go out with anyone anymore to climb, then I felt like I would have lost all all of my support network. Yeah. I definitely, yeah. <laughs> I can, yeah, definitely relate to that. That's what I said earlier about, like, the whole COVID shutdown and everything, for at least for, in the gym, at least. Um, but, yeah, that's that's so incredible to hear uh, your, you know, history with photography and how far back it goes. It's just so great to uh, to hear that from, from somebody else that, you know, I can relate to. Um, so that's, that's so incredible. Um, but, yeah, also I wanted to, like, kind of circle back because you were talking about uh, Laura Sabrin and the documentary They Them uh, that, you know, they're the main uh, character in. Uh, and I was very fortunate to get to see that when it was released on YouTube. And then uh, last November at the Climb Out Camp Out event that I was at that Patagonia sponsored and getting to see it there on the big screen with a bunch of other queer people was just such an incredible experience. Uh, such a powerful, powerful film. And I think the team behind it and like now knowing that you were like helping you know kind of produce some things to make sure things were done in a you know proper you know way to uh to tell the story about someone in the in the trans community and like i hadn't realized that you were like a producer on the film until like just now because that's that's amazing like i'm so grateful that they had you there to kind of help oversee things so it wasn't just like lore helping you know, like, oh, well, maybe this, like, it's good to have multiple perspectives. And that's so amazing that the team, I'm so glad they had you on board to make sure that they were doing the story justice. Yeah, it was, it was really cool. Um, the two filmmakers, they're both cis straight white guys, mm-hmm. and, and they knew, I think Lore was also, you know, pushing for that, but they knew that they, as much as they cared for Lore, they'd been friends for a long time. Um, it wasn't just, two dudes decided they wanted to tell a trans story like they had been friends um there were there were a lot of connections in there that made that film happen in the first place and they knew they they wanted to tell the right story and so they reached out to me to be the story consultant and then it was i think really beneficial for patagonia as well to have have someone in there that i guess could be the the person who said no and it didn't have to be lore like it wasn't all on lore yeah it wasn't all say, on lore to be like well this isn't right like they had someone they had you backing them up essentially yeah yeah and my job i mean it's a film about lore but i would say my consideration lore was the second most important thing to me the most important thing in the film was making sure that it represented the trans community in general Mm-hmm. Because one of the problems with stories, not just with the trans community or queer community, but all underrepresented communities, is that one person's story, which is why the tagline of the film is one climber's story, 
exactly. is that it is just that, but it's not viewed that way by everyone else. A film like that from people from the outside, that is all trans people. Yeah. And so it doesn't matter whether one of us is okay with certain things or talking about certain things. If that is detrimental to the trans community in general and makes people think that it's okay to ask these certain questions or ask about our genitals or our personal health, Mm -hmm. you know, then we've done the community a disservice. Yeah. So it was really trying to focus on what is best for the community, what is best for lore, and then what is best for the filmmakers and Patagonia after that. Yeah. And trying to find that balance to to protect everyone, make everyone happy and still make a good film is a lot of work. Yeah. It's it's like I started off in actually filmmaking first and then have like kind of like ended up in photography uh through my old uh full-time job that I had I make the joke that I was karate kind of in photography because I worked at a rental house so I constantly had my hands on the gear testing it and like making sure it all worked and then putting it away and then getting to go home on the weekends and play with it so like but I that's just a side note didn't need to say that really but I went to school for film so I understand how much work goes into making any size of a film whether it be a short film or a feature-length documentary like uh they them is it's just so it's such an undertaking that until you've been a part of the process you don't understand how much goes into it so it's just so amazing to hear about like the passion and the care that you put into that project to represent the community in such a you know great way to like like you said like if a cis person sees it like this is probably their only this might be their only, you know, piece of media that they've seen with a trans person, and they're automatically going to make a lot of judgments about it. So I think you did such an incredible job, um, like helping form that story and making sure things were done in the respectful and the proper way. So once again, big, big kudos and thanks to you for for uh, helping work on that. Thanks. <laughs> I have to say though, like it was a huge team effort like yeah I mean, exactly I, it's a team effort the the filmmakers had so much more time in it than than i did you know like, yeah you know, they did a lot and they had so much footage and just so many great conversations and they were really intentional with it and got to give them a lot of credit of course for yeah how they went about that and i think that was something that more folks need to to try to do yeah 100 percent and like yeah it's, that's that's so amazing like from like my kind of like film background i feel like i still want to help like continue telling trans stories uh whether it be through photography or through filmmaking i haven't really been able to like work on any type of filmmaking project recently um but it's uh they them definitely got like my wheel spinning about wanting to try to like work on some type of you know trans piece about you know being in the climbing community so it's just great to you know finally meet other people in person finally that are also trans and in this like small little world of being trans in the climbing community is just such a great thing um you mentioned earlier like it took you so many years to finally have another trans person like take your you know your photo and like how 
amazing experience that was for you. I'm curious how long into uh, your transition until you finally like got to climb with another trans person. And what was that like? It was, it was in the summer of 2018, so it had been more than a year into that process. And I, was, I went to the Homo Climbtastic, mm-hmm. climbing mm-hmm. fast at the New River Gorge, and met my friend Lex there, and he was the first trans person that I met in person and yeah, I got to climb with. We clicked and just had a great time talking there and climbing a little bit, and a few, maybe a month later, he flew out to Salt Lake and stayed for a week and took him climbing all over some of my favorite places and we've been climbing quite a bit together ever since and um, this last guess it was last November of 2021 we were able to do a first ascent together and that was the first first ascent that I've done with another trans person that was something I never thought I would be able to do that was pretty that amazing sounds- and Really cool, cool to have really cool. him in there. Um, yeah, he's been a part of a lot of firsts for me, and that was, was pretty awesome. That's amazing. Yeah, I definitely follow him on Instagram, but I haven't had the pleasure to meet him yet, but hopefully one day I'll get to. Yeah, that's so great. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, I just, like I said, I grew up climbing the gym first, but I just remember getting to, like, it was like right after, like I think it was a day of pride and I didn't get to go because of work, I think, but I went to the gym after work and was climbing and I saw a couple guys, uh, you know, wearing some pride gear and stuff uh, at the gym and, you know, we ended up, you know, striking a conversation uh, and I was chatting with them and it wasn't until like halfway into the conversation that this other, uh, this other man uh, and he told me that he was trans too because I totally just didn't know like I don't go around trying to like clock people or anything and at that point I was only I was I was less than a year into transition and I have really dark hair so I had just like the biggest five o'clock shadow for the longest time um so I wasn't like passing going in the gym at all so like he obviously knew I was trans um but just like that experience of like him uh you know you know, telling me he was trans just like had this like huge moment of just like something clicked in my head and it was just like, wow. So there's like someone else like me at this gym. Like that's amazing. Um, but I think, let's see. So I started in 2019, so 2020, 2021, 22. Uh, I think it took me two years till I finally met another trans woman in the gym. And I just thought that was like, why did it take me this long to meet another trans woman like in the gym? Like it was, it was crazy. Um, it, yeah. Yeah. You meet in person and just like, it was like, it wasn't anything planned. It was just like, I, you know, saw them climbing and like we struck up a conversation based on my chalk bag. It was like this organic chalk bag that a friend had given me when I first started. Cause I didn't have the funds to like buy all the stuff that I needed. And, it looked like the trans flag, basically. It was like one color was off, and they commented on the on the bag, and I was just like, 
wait a minute, if they know the trans flag, there's a chance they, they are trans. And so I just like politely asked them. And it was just such a great, great moment. But yeah, it's just, like I said, such an incredible experience to get to climb with other trans uh, and like non-binary folk. It's just, it's such a freeing and just, um, like you just feel like you're at home. It's super special. Yeah, this this fast has been amazing because it's the first one really where I've been able to come and there are a lot of other trans people. I This is the first one where I've been able to meet other trans women. Yeah. Like it's been just me and after a little bit then a couple non-binary folks and now there's trans men trans women non-binary gender non-conforming mm-hmm. folks it's amazing and like i my my co-instructor who was helping guide like the official guide for my clinic today was trans um, the photographer like it was just so cool yeah it's 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 really it's really come at least like because i don't have like the perspective that you have about the progress and everything but I kind of want to like take a moment and still acknowledge like the climbing community. Like I want to ask you, you know, like the climbing community, like the world, the small bubble that we're in is amazing. Right. But like as a whole, like for the climbing community, because you've been in this community for so much longer and you've experienced, like you mentioned earlier, all of these like really awful things. uh, I'm just curious what, you see in the climbing community that should be improved basically and like any ideas you have about that or just like if you have like you know any experiences you'd be willing to share about you know a negative interaction that you may have faced with somebody you know being a trans climber and like you know some person not really being you know the most respectful individual we could be talking about this all day. <laughs> oh my God. Um, the climbing community still has a long way to go. And I think it's in pretty much every area possible. I think there's been a lot of growth. There's been a lot of change. There are so many amazing groups out there, like Brown Girls Climb, Yoma and Flash Foxy. You have Native Women's Wilderness. I, I couldn't even name all. There's just so many mm-hmm. brothers in climbing. Um, all these groups that are out there advocating for their community, that are showing people that they belong, and building community. And in many ways, I think what's happened at this fest is because that space was created, because all these groups are are building their own communities. It's not that the climbing community has necessarily changed. It's our communities have gotten to the point where we can't be ignored as easily anymore. And when we start really showing up, it changes things. And so that has made a huge impact. And people definitely, there are people who are doing the work. There are companies who are trying to 
to help change things and and be leaders in in that change but there's still a long way to go yeah and there's a lot of negative things that happened to me and so many others in climbing and i wish it wasn't that way it can be hard some days to want to go climbing when i know i'm going to run into certain people if i go to the gym so i don't go to the gym i you know, spend a lot of time climbing in areas that are a lot more remote and backcountry because that's partly because that's the type of climbing I really love. But also going to the crag can be pretty uncomfortable now. Yeah. Um, in a way that was never an issue before. And, you know, when you have to worry what's going to happen when I show up, how is someone going to react when I show up now? And like maybe I'm mentoring someone who's new to climbing and people just look at me and who don't know me. And because I'm trans, they go to the person who it's their first day climbing and like, oh, what are you climbing today? What are you getting on? And think that they're taking me out climbing. I can show up in an area where I wrote the guidebook for the area or I did a lot of the first ascents and I have some dude just coming up to me and telling me where the five six is and that it's a great warm up and I should do that and then yelling beta at me on whatever I touch when it's like I, I never own had this that crack. before. Like shut up. Wow. Oh my gosh. You know, and, and that, that's such that's a tame not... story basically based on I'm sure other things that have not been Yeah. Anywhere close. You know, and like those type of things never happened before. And there's so many experiences like that that, you know, I'm still the same person. But how people perceive me has changed. Yeah. Whether they knew me before or not, how people see any of us who are different than what people expect is, is disheartening sometimes yeah. to see their reaction. It it totally is. And the only reason I asked the question, because I know it's uncomfortable to talk about and like having to relive those experiences is just like it's the fucking worst to have to like put yourself back in that mindset and like relive those things. But the only reason I ask is because there's a lot of cis listeners for this podcast that I want them to be able to like get like just the smallest understanding of what it is we have to go through like a lot of the times basically. So thank you for just like going through all of that with me. And I, I like what you said about, yeah, I'm still the same person as I was before. And I think that's interesting because I've heard a lot of other trans people say very similar things. And like, whenever I came out to my family, I remember telling them like, I'm going to be the same person. I'm just going to be presenting myself differently. And I thought that was the case. But what I've learned now like however like almost four years in now is that i'm not the same person like i have this like it's not amazing but i had no confidence before i transitioned i was like the lowest self-esteem didn't believe myself had no self-love for myself and to see that grow in the last four years of my life like I am nowhere near the same person that I was four years ago. Like, it's insane to see the progress and the growth that I've had as a human being. And, like, I actually, like, 
I think climbing has like brought so much more joy and community in my life. That's definitely impacted me and my life and my growth as a human being has just been amazing. So I just I just wanted to bring that up. It's just so incredible to see other trans people living like authentically and like being out in the climbing community and just like being total badasses. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I definitely understand where you're coming from with that because yeah, I hated myself my entire life. There are a lot of things that are different, but I guess what I would say to that is when I say I'm still the same person yeah. I was, because I wasn't allowed to fully express who I was, you know, I thought when I started the transition, I was going to have to learn to be more feminine. I was going to have mm-hmm. to learn to do all these things. But once I started stopping pretending to be something I wasn't to let go of the masculine character I had to play my entire life, I realized how much all these things that are considered feminine were always there. And I did everything I could to block them, Mm -hmm. but I couldn't see it. You know, when I, when I would speak, I would always hold my hands together. So I wouldn't talk with my hands because in our society, that's considered more feminine. I would change the words that I use because there are certain words that are considered feminine and masculine folks shouldn't use them. Um, The way I stood, the way, you know, what I wore, the colors of clothing (laughs) even, like there's so much that our society puts into all that and we're not allowed to do, but all that stuff was always there. And so even though I feel, you know, and you know, only you can know for certain, but like, I think that, the ability to have that confidence, that growth, all that was in, that was always there for all of us. But when you're not allowed to be yourself, when you're not allowed to express who you are, then you can't fully be, you know, that person. But all those things that, that allowed you to gain that confidence were always inside of you. Just like they're always inside all of us. We're just not all, allowed to fully express that and that isn't just trans people yeah that isn't just queer people like everyone is bound in some way by these societal limitations that are put on us and our identities and it's bullshit it needs to go yeah gender norms are just such a it just yeah this completely social construct that gender has been created basically to put us into boxes and to basically monetize uh you know in our society I heard you mention stuff earlier about, you know, growing up and like enjoying to sew or other things, you know, that are, you know, typically deemed as, you know, more of a women's, you know, like pastime or something. And it's just insane the amount of the way that gender norms are pressed upon us in society today. And I'm so grateful for this younger generation and seeing like how things are like starting to slowly change with them. So I'm curious how things are going to look, you know, like it's say 30 years or so. I'm just, you know, for once kind of excited based on, you know, where we're at today. I mean, things aren't great, obviously, um, with all of the freaking anti-trans legislation going on in our country right now. It's just, <sighs> don't want to go there. But it's just so great to see the youth and how comfortable they are and like being themselves. So I just it's it's amazing um and i i loved what you said though about like those things were always there within you 
and like always there within everybody because you're right no one really everyone has this you know the concern of like looking good all the time and wanting to like appear you know good to other people and like that you know what you're doing or that you're you know 100% this or 100% that instead of just like being yourself because you're worried about what other people are going to think um so yeah that's such a I love that perspective and I'm I'm going to definitely keep that in the, in the back of my head now and just like really look look into that more later myself that's just something that I really appreciate you sharing yeah I think it's important to mention too that you know it's not just gender norms there's there's norms about different body types there's norms based on our skin color there's norms based on where we're from there's norms based on so many different things and the funny thing about a lot of those norms is like we mentioned sewing you know if in general sewing is considered feminine unless you're working with leather and making saddles or some sort of craftsman then sewing is cool mm-hmm. you know and there are so many different things that way like women are expected to cook the kitchen is something for a woman unless you're a chef then it's okay and then it's okay because being a chef is cool because that's a career so then that makes it different but it's the exact same thing yeah and and you look at so many of these different things that we have these norms for and there's the exact opposite out there that's accepted because we've decided because some man for some reason did it or they could make money from it rather than it be something that you did at home that changes it but it's the same thing yeah yeah there's go i we could talk all night i'm sure about all of these things uh yeah 100 percent um now i'm just trying to think uh there is anything else that comes to my mind. I'm sure I'm gonna forget something. I'm like, oh, it's like a hip stop. It's gonna just completely like, oh, I should have asked for this. Um, I'm just like running through this like mental checklist that I have in my head really fast. Sorry, this is gonna definitely get cut out later. Uh, this long pause. Um, mm. Ooh, I like this one. Uh, I've heard this on other podcasts. I'm totally stealing it. But what's, uh, if you could go back to yourself at like a younger age, like what would you tell yourself? I've been asked this one a lot and it's kind of constantly changed. Um, totally valid. I don't know. It's, it's hard because there's this whole thing, especially within the queer community, you know, that it gets better. Yeah. Because it doesn't get better for everyone. That's the reality. Um, things don't always get better whether you're queer or not. Like, you know, life isn't always fair. Um, but in many ways, things have gotten better. But I'd still, I, I guess I would advise myself that, like, there is no baseline in better. Like it's going to get better, but mm-hmm. you know, there's ups and downs. Um, I guess what I would really want to say is just describe the future. 
that all the years I spent looking for others like me, I'm finally seeing them now and able to have community in a way that I never had before. That growing up when I thought something was wrong to me and I would pray every night that I would wake up the way I was supposed to be because I knew I was a girl, but I didn't know what that meant. It took more than 20 years before I first heard the word transgender. And I was completely alone. I would have told myself that you're going to know who you are and that it's okay to be that way. Um, I think I would tell myself that all the things that people told me I couldn't be, I've been able to be. And I'm going to continue to be me and that I would finally get to a point where I could say I love you to myself. It took 40 plus years. But it was one of the most amazing days of my life when I could finally accept who I was and say that out loud to myself in the mirror and finally be comfortable with who I am. And so I think it'd be just kind of mapping out what the future holds more than any sort of advice because I couldn't have transitioned any earlier. I I transitioned at the right time as much as I wish I could have. Like, yeah. With, you know, my situation, I don't think I'd be alive if I, if I had. Like, it had to be right for me. And it was unfortunate that it took that long. So, you know, I think giving the advice wouldn't really be the right thing. Yeah. But showing that future yeah, would be huge. Yeah. Oh, my goodness. Like, so many things you just said are just like, yes, no, me too. I 100% understand that feeling of just, like, having that first moment to, like, actually, like, look at yourself and, like, say I love you to yourself. It's just, like, such a revelation um uh it's it's amazing um but yeah i want to start to like wrap it up really fast but just like going back to climbing kind of steering it back you were talking about how you know there's all you had like all these ups and downs in life things get better things get harder but that's one thing i love about climbing is like it's so similar to like how life is like you're gonna have good days you're gonna have bad days on the wall and yeah, climbing has just been this amazing tool that helps me just relate to life in a different way and to have such a different perspective thanks to climbing. It's great. <laughs> I love it so much. Um, but yeah, is there anything that you wanted to talk about or like plug or anything else that you're working on uh, for anything? Um, just in general, I guess for really for everyone not not just the trans and queer folks but for everyone listening you know like climbing is one of those things where we seek out the most difficult way possible to get up something like you could walk around and get to the top of a cliff another way you don't have to go up doesn't matter what the grade is there's likely an easier way up there you know and we throw ourselves at these problems that can take m weeks, months, years sometimes to finally send. 
but there's been this idea that when it comes to understanding identity, when it comes to understanding racial discrimination, homophobia, transphobia, sexism, all these things, that it's difficult and it's uncomfortable and it makes us uncomfortable. But like we've chosen to do that very thing in another mm-hmm. sport. Like I think we need to think about things a little bit differently when it comes to some of these difficult issues and not just ignore it because it's hard. Like we've chosen a life where we choose the hard thing. So we need to apply ourselves to a lot of these problems in the same way because right now the people who are really making the change and pushing in these sports are the people who are the most affected by all the issues in there and it's tiring and it's hard to be the only ones out there without allies and we need everyone to start doing the work yeah and it makes us all better like challenge can be really good it yeah. can help us grow internally by pushing ourselves. And I've learned a lot by trying to get over my own internalized homophobia and transphobia, but also my internalized racism and sexism and so many other things. Like it's made me a better person by really confronting that and looking at that. And I think everyone should apply more of what we do in climbing to the problems in our daily life in a positive way rather than use climbing as a way to always just escape Mm -hmm. everything. Yeah. I love that so much. That is so freaking accurate. Like, yeah, we do this crazy thing where we go up this like insane wall in the hardest like possible way possible or whatever. And to relate that to, you know, all of these issues in our society today and realize, you know, it's in those uncomfortable situations, like, regardless of what you're doing, those uncomfortable situations climbing or those uncomfortable conversations you're having talking about, you know, homophobia or racism or sexism or whatever, you know, type of, you know, issue there is. Like, it's those uncomfortable situations that we put ourselves in that help us get to the other side and have a better understanding and to, you know, have a better uh, perspective on life. So I, I love that comparison. Thank you for sharing that with me and thank you so much Nikki for taking the time to have this conversation with me had just an amazing time getting to hear a little bit of your story and just yeah thank you so much it's been an honor yeah well that wraps it up for today's episode Thank you so much for tuning in. And if you enjoyed, be sure to go leave a comment and let me know what really resonated with you today. Then after that, be sure to go subscribe, like, and follow on all of our social media platforms. And then go share it with your friends, share it with your family, and share it with your chosen family. And remember, if you're not really suffering, are you really even sending at all? Strong, 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 strong,